That's how Jesus comes. We're talking about thin places when the kingdom of heaven comes near to the kingdom of earth. There seems to be this space in between that is a little bit thinner. In fact, the uh, Celtic saying that we introduced last week is heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in thin places, they're even closer than that. And when they do come near, it's subtle. Uh, It's maybe unrecognizable at times. And so we're reading through the book of Mark together and pausing in this Christmas season to look at what happens when the kingdom of God comes near to the kingdom of earth and brings these thin places because it invites us into a new space for us. As we're talking about uh, the Women and Children's Center and um, the way that that place invites women and their children in to find healing, um, this kingdom invites us in the same way. In fact, this kingdom, uh, it, it, as it is thin places for us, it brings a space of cleansing. I say it that way because I want to say cleansing before we talk about the healing. There is, seems to be some bit of an order as Jesus brings this kingdom in and brings it near. And first, he invites us into a space of cleansing. Uh, and we, we tend to want to rush to the healing part, the rush to the fixing part. Let's, let's get those broken pieces put back together again. Let's, let's fix what's there. I don't want to see it anymore. <clears throat> um, but Jesus slows us down and he says, I want to bring you to a place place of cleansing first. You might have to still look at the broken stuff that's there. You might still have to deal with that. But before we get there, we're cleansing you. And so as the kingdom of God comes near to us, it brings us into a space where we can look through the boundaries that we've put up, look through the spaces in our own life into what the kingdom of God offers us through this space. It invites us to look at the joy and the hope and the love, and the peace, and the faith, right? All these words that we bring, that brings us into the Christmas season, invites us to look into all these things as God is in his kingdom, bringing that near to us. So I want to read us a passage out of Mark 1, and we're going to read verses 40 through 45. When Jesus brings the kingdom of God near. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing. He said, be clean. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was made clean. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Then take along an offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy, and this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming ever, to everyone what had happened. And as a result, the large crowd soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. And he had to stay out in the secluded places. But people from everywhere kept coming to him. And I'll pray for us as we enter into this space of, uh, of receiving what God's given us this morning. God, we do open our hands. There's so much that happens in this season right now, and right now it's time for us just to take a breath 
take a breath and enjoy what's in front of us. Enjoy the season that you have. Lord, you've brought to us the kingdom. You've brought it in, in ways that we can see through the mess. We can see through the boundaries that are in front of us. And we can enter into what you are bringing to us. So God, we pray this morning that we first pause and receive your healing, your cleansing. Before we step into the next pieces. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So last week, when we talked about thin places, we were able to see and we asked for us as a group, uh, as a whole church, to practice something. This practice was for us to be able to first notice when the kingdom of God is near, when we start to experience these thin places. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to that message. It's earlier in the book of Mark here. But what we are asking you to do is to notice. Notice how your body reacts and responds. Notice your internal and your external responses too when the kingdom of heaven comes near because we can start to get like antsy. We can kind of, you know, move around a little bit, you know, fidgety or whatever, get busy with our hands, take on new hobbies or projects to kind of like, it can be uncomfortable for us. Or internally, we can start to feel that angst and the, the moving and the nervousness and things like that as the kingdom of God comes near because we know that this, these things are life-changing. And that's what we keep seeing in these scriptures here as Jesus does this. When the kingdom of God comes near, it's life-changing. And those can be scary and nerve-wracking spaces. And so um, for us to understand kind of the impact of what this verse and what this passage is talking about, inviting us into these thin places, um, for us to understand this impact, I want us to go back a little bit and understand something about this disease, leprosy, and kind of the the, uh, uh, internal workings on it. Uh, as Jesus was engaging in this. So leprosy, um, today we call it Hansen's disease, um, but in biblical times, it kind of incorporated a whole lot of skin disorders, things that you would, uh, diseases you would have on your skin. And so, in fact, um, priests would kind of categorize about 72 different kinds of skin diseases as leprosy, and all of them were, to some level, uh, different and contagious Um, And it often left the victim looking disfigured, uh, maybe even missing limbs or digits, um, and uh, just, you know, not a pretty sight. And they were um, asked to leave the main part of the city. They're kind of deported, if you will, out of the city to a leper colony, or at least to their own home or a home on the outside of the city so that um, it would keep the rest of the people in there uh, clean and clear of this contagion uh, or contagion. Um, so they were expected to, uh, uh, to, to live in these colonies until the end of their life. There was, there was no expectation that they'd come back and re-enter back into society, um, that they would live out the rest of their life in these colonies. And because of this, they were considered the walking dead. Um, that's how they would treat them and think about them. In fact, there's records of family members once, you know, one, you know their the elder or the, the, the mother or father or whatever in the family contracted this and got put in this leper colony, um, they were, they, there's records that they would actually have collected their, um, their inheritance uh, after they went in there. Even though they're not dead uh, physically, there's like this in, in, in intent that they're not going to come back and they're even able to collect inheritance um, after they contracted this, this uh, infection. So few people ever recovered from this disease Um, And so to cure it was on par with, if you will, raising the dead. This was a big deal to be able to uh, be, have to be in this leper colony away from everything and then be able to be returned back into the city, back into society and be healed and cleaned from it. 
So, so there's a, a real practical um, and social aspect to this disease and what they were dealing with. It was really in, like affecting them and their ability to live uh, and carry out in community, uh, their, their physical appearance and how they engage with other people. It was a serious thing. And then there's even Levitical law talks about this. And this is, you know, the part of scripture, uh, Old Testament that kind of gives all the different instructions for pe- how God's people are, should uh, behave and, and worship and live and act and, and uh, so on and so forth. Um, and it talks about these problems of, of purity, of, of illnesses. Um, in fact, if you want to read about it, you can. It's in Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. You can go there. It's fascinating reading. Um, it really is an interesting kind of couple of chapters to see how in the ancient time they would go through and, and try to help people um, uh, stay pure from each other uh, and, and not let this, this disease kind of spread through everything. It's a little bit... Um, I don't know, it feels a little bit like cruel in, in ways. As you, as you read it, you're, wow, they would do this to each other. In fact, one portion of it says this, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothing and let their hair of their head hang loose, and they should cover their upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. And he shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. It's, it's sad, really, to think about how impactful this disease was on one person and the family then connected to it. So unclean, in fact, that if, if you were to be in the same vicinity of them, you know, if you were to sit under the same tree that they had just sat under, you were unclean until evening. Or if you were in the same home or you used the same dish, let alone if you touched the person then absolutely you would be made unclean until evening. In fact, leprosy was even connected to uh, and symbolic of sin. And so there was like this stigma that went along with it of like, you must have done something to deserve this state that you're in. And if you recall like the story of Job and his friends would come to him and be like, what did you do? Like, why is God so mad at you? It's because he had these sores on his body and they, they connected this to, this is God's punishment for you. So there was this other kind of social stigma and religious stigma of this disease uh, that went along with it. This was a big problem uh, for the individual that would have contracted this. And you can tell the impact it would have on, the, on t- two kind of big main areas in their life. And that would be their intimacy with people, their community, and then their intimacy with God and, and worship. They're kept from people. They were just in their own home or they're put with another, a colony of these people. Uh, they're suffering from the same thing. And so they were kept from being able to be in community with their friends and their family. They're kept separate from everybody else, you know, ringing a bell, walking 40 paces from everybody else, shouting out, unclean, unclean, um, and looked at and the, 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 imagine the looks they would have gotten and the kind of treatment they would have, they would have uh, incurred as they uh, like lived through this painful experience. So yeah, socially, they were just uh, separated from everybody. Socially, they're put aside um, and they were cast out and they were like not able to be in the community with everybody else. That's huge. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but that's huge for how we engage uh, back into society, our healing, how we engage the things that are in our life. But the other side is that of intimacy with God. There's this element of worship and it's not like 
today where we can sit in our living rooms and listen to a, a worship track and be able to, to worship God because we have the spirit of truth in us and we can worship wherever we are, they would need to go to the temple and offer sacrifices. They need to go to the temple and, and be with the priests there and let them uh, offer sacrifices on their behalf. And that, that's how they entered into worship and intimacy with God. The problem was if they can't even be around people because it make people unclean, imagine going to the temple. You could never do that. You couldn't bring a sacrifice before God. You couldn't worship God. And so it kept them from this intimacy with God as well. And so this one disease kept them from community, kept them from worship and engaging in that. And so you can see as this man comes up to Jesus, falling on his knees and saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. That's what he was breaking. Those are the boundaries he was crossing over in order to get to Jesus, in order to ask him for this. And I, I love the words that he used. It wasn't, Lord, can you make me clean? That's not what he asked him. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's not on my faith if, if, if you can make me clean. I don't, I don't have any doubt you can do it. It's really, Lord, it's on you. I know that you can, will you? And that's what he brings, the request he brings to Jesus. This was a bold approach as he comes over across these cultural taboos of, of breaking those social barriers, coming in close to them. In fact, the imagery of him falling down wouldn't, would, would, would possibly uh, indicate him grabbing the ankles of Jesus and holding on to him and saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What we read is Jesus's response to this request. So the man leaves his colony, ventures into the city and with great faith, finds Jesus and requests him for him to make him clean. I'm just imagining the, the social stigmas he's overcoming to get there. You know, walking into the city, you know, this man, you know, why is he even here? What's he doing in this place? And He's full of sin and these kinds of like things that he has to incur. And he, come, he comes to him and asks him this thing, you can make me clean. And I, I look at this and I think, man, the kingdom of God, it doesn't have these boundaries that we have. It doesn't have the boundaries that we've set up in our own heart, in our own world around us. It crosses over these boundaries. And Jesus then reaches out and touches the man. Similarly, these boundaries that then he crosses. So not only does the unclean man come and cross the boundaries into the city and go up to Jesus, instead, and also, uh, Jesus turns around, looks at him, and doesn't just say, oh, well, we're unclean, unclean, you got to get away from me, like pull back from him. No, he turns towards him, and he crosses that boundary back, and he puts his hand on him, and he says, oh, I will, be clean. And he cleanses the man right there. Jesus his desire for this man is, um, is described with the word pity or compassion. And what's cool is that word, it, it has certain connotations for us as we hear it. That word is also often translated anger in different parts of Scripture. Because with it, it's not just a clear kind of uh, word that we can just kind of like have a clear English translation for, but but what we, what we get to see in it is that there's a passion involved in this word. There's some sort of heart and, and, and like 
uh, ferociousness, if you will, like involved with how he felt for him. And Jesus touched this man and suggesting that his lack of concern, Jesus' lack of concern with ritual purity and this deliberate preference for meeting the need of this man despite correct ritual correctness, Jesus could have spoken. He's done that in other parts of Scripture. He could have spoken to him and said, you're clean, you know, kept his distance, but instead he intentionally crosses that boundary, touches the man, and he says, be clean. Jesus is glad to cross these boundaries in order to extend the kingdom of God to us. As we're engaging this space, as we're saying these are thin places especially December time around Christmas. We talked about that a little bit last week. But these are thin places for us. And Jesus is happy and glad to cross the boundaries that we've set up in our own hearts, that we've set up in our own culture in order to bring the kingdom of God near. Why? Because this is where the cleansing takes place in us. If you notice in this passage, the word healing uh, in this translation, this is uh, um, the New Living Translation. It uses the, he- the word healing a couple of times uh, earlier and later. Uh, but if you take a different translation like the English Standard Version or, or something like that, you, you don't see the word healing at all. In fact, what you only see is the word purity or cleansing. In fact, that's what was happening here in this passage. It's different than the, 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 the healing that we see him do in other passages. First, he starts here with cleansing. This passage is about cleansing this man. Healing comes after the cleansing for us. Healing comes after Jesus has entered in and, and brought us cleansing. Cleansing us so that he can be close to us He can be in us. He can be working with the issues that we have. It's so that we can have relationship with God and others in our cleansing. Then the healing begins to take place. So this isn't just Jesus fixing the broken parts of us so that now he can be our friend or now he can be with us. He cleanses us so he can be there and then begin to put the pieces back together in our own life and begin to heal us in a deeper and different way. And we're healed when we engage in intimacy with God and intimacy with each other. We're healed when we get to be in community with God's people and we get to be in worship with God. The invitation of Jesus to us is to be in these spaces of community with him, to be in these spaces of of, um, worship with him, so that all the stuff that's buried deep in there, that pain and the shame and the guilt and the sorrow and the brokenness and all the stuff, it begins to slowly rise and come out. And in these spaces, then in our uh, engagement with each other, we can begin to uh, dialogue about this. We can help each other heal. We can engage God in real and pure worship. And I think there's things that stand in the way between us and our engagement with each other and our engagement with God because there's a lack of cleanliness, clean in us uh, as we engage God. There's a fear that if we come to God, 
And we say, I'm going to just completely, I'm going to worship, I'm going to release this to you, I'm going to uh, worship you with all my heart, or whatever the word is, real worship, or authentic worship, or whatever that word is that we want to use. There's this sense or this fear of, but what would God actually going to see in me? And we're not able to fully come to his presence and worship, or, or even in community. We've been talking about having community with each other where we can talk about these practices. But I imagine if we're still working and we're still feeling uh, that guilt of the broken pieces, the things that are in us, we're going to be fearful that that comes out in our conversations with each other. And we won't be able to engage in real community with one another. And so Jesus, in these thin places first offers purity. Let me cleanse you so that you can engage in community, so that you can engage in worship. That's what comes out of our our, uh, purity with God. Healing will take time. Healing will take time. This man becomes pure right there. He doesn't have the disease anymore. He can go to the temple and he can make that sacrifice. It was cool because um, Jesus, though he kind of though he crossed that boundary and disobeyed the Levitical law, it wasn't sinful for Jesus to do that. You can disobey that law and then just incur the well, I'm unclean till evening, and and so Jesus does that so that this man can then go and show himself to the priest, and and he's supposed to go do that, even though it seems like in this passage maybe he doesn't do that right away. But Jesus doesn't nullify at this point and say, no, you don't have to go to the temple. You don't have to go get yourself clean. Like Jesus obeys the law and says, this is still an important part of this process for you. As we're going through this together, it's important for you to then go to the temple and be able to show yourself as clean and pure to the priest so that you can begin restoring yourself back into the community. You can begin to worship again back at the temple. You can't just go and then come back and think everything's going to be fine and okay again. This begins the process of the healing for us. You're purified. And then comes healing. Then comes the invitation that happens in community and in worship. So last week when we asked for our practice to be noticing what the kingdom of God feels like as it comes near. This week, I want us to engage it and receive the cleaning, the cleansing of the kingdom of heaven as it comes near. And so here's our practice. It's a simple prayer and request that the same man makes uh, to Jesus. And I'll have us make this request and prayer here in this space and then as we go about our week. But it's, it's this, if you are willing, you can make me clean. That's what the man asks Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. So here in this space, for a minute, I want us to close our eyes, or get comfy or whatever you need to do to enter into a space of engaging God because I don't want it just to be me talking up here. It's us engaging together. So maybe already as we've been talking, there's things that are coming up. There's stuff that's there. You're like, man, I don't want that. I don't want God near to that. I want to encourage you, have the boldness of the same man to cross that boundary and ask Jesus for healing in this. So close your eyes. 
or get comfy. Take just a minute and pray this prayer as things come to your mind. Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. to ask him, show me what keeps me from community, what keeps me from deep relationship. Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can ask him what keeps me from intimate relationship with you, Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. The journey begins in these spaces as we receive the healing this is where it begins as we let Jesus cross these thin places and bring the kingdom of God into our own life Jesus we don't want to keep on keep on pretending we don't want to keep on in, in shallow places we want to go into deep spaces with you So Jesus, would you heal, would you clean those parts so we can engage in healing with you? You can begin putting us back together and we can have those deep relationships with each other and with you. God, you're in this place. So we continue to sing your praise. Lord, you are good. And you've created us for good things. God, thank you for the example you are in this man's life and in ours. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So right before the message, we sang about how Jesus came down. Now if you guys would stand with us as we sing Joy to the World and why Jesus is here and what that means for us as we end our Sunday.
only five days away. It's amazing. It's almost here. We're going to be here at 3.30 in this room, and out there we're going to have it kind of transformed in like a fun like coffee bar, hot cocoa bar, cookies, and all that great stuff. Bring your favorite Christmas mug. I think it'd be fun to kind of share those and uh, be able to have that with you. Get a cup of coffee. Come on in here. We're going to sing. We're going to um, listen to God's Word. We're going to read that together. We're going to set the stage for what comes Christmas morning together. 
Also, Christmas morning, if you're so inclined, we're serving uh, the hungry and the homeless in Placerville with a big breakfast. And so they need uh, people to drop off food or even be there and help serve or cook or put things together. So if you would like to be a part of that, you are welcome to. Davis is going to be out there in the lobby and he can actually sign you up today and just kind of show you what the needs are there. Final thing is uh, the, the Sunday following Christmas. Um, the, so it's, uh, it's the next day after Christmas. We were not going to be gathering here together all in one spot. The church will be gathering on their own, in their homes, together, all around the area. We'll be back on the 2nd of January to bring in the new year together with, uh, with joy and celebration all together. So I want to invite you to be back there for that. But Christmas Eve here, 3.30, it's going to be a wonderful night. It'll probably be foggy and cold and all that good stuff. It'll be fun to be together. I can't wait to be there with you all. So have a great week, um, and we'll see you all in the next couple of days.